Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, our heroes hand out some awards, prepare for a shock, reveal their identities to Gotham Girl, and make their first kill. Stay tuned for all this and more. Welcome everybody to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. I'm David, that's Nick, and yes. this is the place for... You know, comic talk, comic news, comic reviews, we're, we're going to try to catch them all, just like that newfangled Pokemon Go. That's, I'm pronouncing that correctly, right? Pokemon Go? Poke, well, I po- think they're called Pocket Monsters. Oh, Pocket Monster Go. Or, or po- uh, Pockin. Pockin? 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 Yeah. See, I, was conf- I don't know what they're actually called in Japanese. I was confused. I'm like, why are we talking about about mangoes this is a new mango poke mango i it's man this is wow i feel terrible for that joke welcome everybody to episode 101 we are oh but we have we have something coming in hot nick uh apparently in japan they're called poketo monsuta i know there was a game called pokin tournament like that came out like a year or so ago uh also bulbasaur in japanese is fushigidane well, yeah. Everyone knows that. Yeah, I just apparently I never occurred to me that they would have completely different names in the Japanese language. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or maybe it's backwards. So, for example, you know, Bulbasaur, Ivysaur, Venusaur. In Japanese, it's Fushigidane, Fushigiso, and Fushigibana. So I'm wondering if it's just, you know, Bana's Venu and so on and so forth. Man, I don't know. Anyway, episode 101, also episode. called Nick's Dumbest Night Ever. Oh, right. do, you, do you want to get into this a little bit before we yeah, start the show? Time means nothing to our listeners because <laughs> they are listening to this podcast at that uh, 100 episodes in and we're still bashing the listeners. This is the no, quality you've bashing. come to expect. I'm, okay, I'm not bashing listeners. I'm, I'm simply I'm saying that they, they listen at their own pace. Mm. On the other hand, we're recording this at night, and normally we try, emphasis try, to do it at a reasonable hour, but when I decide to stop by the grocery store on my way home, get in line, have all my groceries scanned, and then pull out my wallet to swipe my card and realize that my primary debit card is not, in fact, in my wallet, and I now have no idea where it is, and I only have my backup card, which has insufficient funds. Oh, and did I mention that I also left my cell phone at home all day? <laughs> so I, I was stopping at the grocery store on my way home from work, so I also couldn't pull up my phone to transfer funds in. So I had to leave my groceries, go home, get my phone, transfer funds, go back to the grocery store, get my groceries. I make it home. I put the groceries on the table. I look at my fiance and say, hey, can you help me put these away so I can you know, I can get to my podcast faster? And when I look and I see the cats are howling at the food, and I realized, oh, crap, I said I was going to pick up cat food today uh, and had to go back out to get more cat food. Now, I could have let them starve. And as you said, Which would be the eth- ethical thing to do. Yes, yes. It, starvation is just the only way to move forward in life. They could have eaten each other. 
They could have eaten Anna, which was one of your more bizarre suggestions. But I've, had, I've had worse. Food. So anyway, I've had a weird night. We're starting the show a little bit late. None of you actually care. Because oh, right, because your... this is all very ethereal to them. Yes, yes exactly. We right, are simply right. voices in the void. That is very true. And a podcast name to Voices in the Void. Voices in the Void. I kind of like that. That it's kind of kind of rad. Write it down. I I I have been wanting to. And I don't have the time right now, but I'd really like to do a uh, a retrospective podcast on Lost. And I keep trying to think of a name for it. And it's always like trying to find like a hatch joke that hasn't been made yet. Down the hatch? Something like that. But I'll write that one down too. Uh, that's not that show. That is This show is this show. This is Heck Yeah Comics 101 episodes. We took a brief hiatus, partially to traveling, uh, partially because we wanted to look at the show and say... What can we do better? How can we improve what we're doing? So we've made some minor tweaks, nothing major. Uh, but going forward, we're going to try and bring more high-quality content to the show, get stuff a little bit tighter. Uh, and part of that has involved rearranging the show so that tonight we are actually going to be starting off uh, with the news. Yes. Our top story today. <laughs> After a disappointing summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. That is our new, well, one of our new news clips. I found a bunch of Colin Mockery clips from Whose Lines It Anyway, uh, doing really great top stories, and going to use those to transition us into news. So That is a great segue. Thank you very much. One thing we want to do now is, you know, we, some days we come in here with, like, three new stories and try to drag those out some days we come in here with seven and try to cram them all in so we're going to start looking at the week and just picking you know the top quality stuff and that this week uh there's some there's some good ones out there such as the harvey award winners for those unaware harvey awards are some of the uh the prestigious comic awards ones that would you say they're a little more highly regarded than Eisner's or uh, uh I it's... think Eisner's probably considered the Oscar. like the Oscars of comics. Harvey's probably the what's the other TV Golden Globe. Movie? Golden Globes probably the Golden Globes of comics. Though yeah. as uh, uh and I'm totally paraphrasing so I apologize Tom Brevert, uh senior VP of sales and publishing at Marvel once said Winning in uh, Eisner or a Harvey does not guarantee you work. Um, I assume the same is held true for when it comes to Oscars and Golden Globes. It certainly helps your profile. Mm -hmm. I would say compared to the movie industry, even though like through news sites people keep up on um, like Harvey winners or um, or Eisner winners, I feel like it doesn't hold as much sway when it comes to people reading and also mm -hmm. a lot of times the winners are more like independent fair which is totally cool but for people that maybe are more keen on mainstream stuff with the exception of some very popular books like say saga um i just don't think people always pay enough attention but i could be totally talking out of my ass if someone correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> anyway uh, david tell me about the harvey well award. well it's funny that you mentioned that um because i saw this movie recently called don't think twice 
which is a wonderful movie that people should go out and see. It is uh, Mike Birbiglia's new film that he directed and has uh, a, a part in. I wouldn't say he's starring in it, but a pretty major role. And there is uh, one of the characters in the show won an Eisner Award for Most Promising New Artist and then never did anything with it. So just to kind of speak to that. Uh, anyway, speaking also of Saga, that is the most celebrated book at the Harvey Awards with four wins. And uh, uh, Peanuts, a tribute to Charles R. Schultz coming in just behind it at three. So I don't remember all the things that Saga won. I'm trying to go through the list here quickly, but I know they got Best Cover Artist, um, Best Ongoing, I believe, or Best Continuing or Limited Series, Best Writer for Brian, going to Brian K. Vaughn, and Best Artist to Fiona Staples. Uh, some other interesting mentions. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn also got Best New Series with uh, Paper Girls. And... Uh, I, uh, Sorry about this. I got distracted by things on the side here. Best syndicated strip went to Bloom County for those that are keeping up with Bloom County. Uh, best colorist went to Laura Allred for Silver Surfer, which I have not read much of that book, but from what I've seen, really great art and really great interiors on there. Uh, Sorry, what, which book I've missed? Silver uh, Surfer. Silver Surfer. Oh, I. It's a great book. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway. And a special award for humor in comics, I found this interesting, went to Howard the Duck, which will be seeing its end here uh, before too long, sadly. Nick, what do you, what, what are your what's your response to some of this uh, this Harvey? Award? Oh, best new talent. We didn't talk about that. Uh, best new talent is Tom King, uh, which he got for the Vision. Uh, most promising new talent is how they phrase it there, which he won for the vision, uh, which Nick you have spoken very highly of. Vision is a great Shakespearean drama. Dra drama. Drama. <laughs> Man, yeah, quality of our show has improved in a hundred episodes. Uh, at least my part in it. Um, it's it's very Shakespearean. Um, just Tom King is this definitely a deliberate, contemplative writer. But at the same time, he's not just kind of drowning you in the morass of like philosophical quandaries. He's also he he knows when to pull back and let the action speak for itself, or or has a sense of humor. You definitely see that in his Batman work, and there's definitely little black humor nods in um, in the Vision as well. Even though it's, I think it's a much more uh, deathly serious book and uh, subject matter. Um, so yeah, I mean Tom King. Uh, I don't know if he's ever been uh, won or been nominated in uh, the last couple of years because he, he has been around a little while now. Um, mm -hmm. But he's definitely deserving, yeah. especially on the mainstream circuit for this for for this award. Yeah, yeah, I did find that interesting that he's most promising new talent. I wish not to say he does not deserve to be awarded, uh, but I'm like he's you know kind of looking at it. He's been around, uh, I guess, really. Only the last few years? This can't be right. Yeah, and I, I think there's awards really for, you know, people might be working in the industry for even several years, but as far as their uh -huh. Q factor, you know, mm -hmm. you know, he's now like this This past year is, is sort of when he's blossomed. I mean, I don't know if he was doing any work for DC or on any other books prior to Grayson or if he came on with Grayson, but... He definitely hit the ground running with Grayson and has only proven his mettle 
going forward. I part of me is disappointed that it'll be a while before we see him on some more Marvel books. Uh, I'm, I, as you probably agree, we'll definitely talk about this later in the show. We're both loving his Batman, so he can mm-hmm. take his time. Um, but yeah, I, I expect great things from Tom King, and uh, I know I read the first issue. But definitely once I think the series is all said and done, I'm going to go back and read his whole uh, Vertigo series, Sheriff of Babylon. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah. anyway, keep going, David. Yeah, I really want to read Vision. I'm kind of at this point waiting for that to wrap up, and I'll kind of catch it all at once uh, mm-hmm. and you know enjoy that as it will. One uh, studio that did not get a single win uh, was Valiant Entertainment despite having a number of uh, nominations. Well, if we flip the script on what I was saying before and say that this, that, you know, like the Oscars, even a nomination can be a big thing as far as exposing your work to, to a larger audience, people that maybe are tracking this stuff, you know, just making, just the fact that Valiant is nominated a lot shows both the quality of their work and the effort they've been putting into this universe. They've, they've sort of rebuilt um mm-hmm. and i mean like i i always like there's certain like i i like the archer and armstrong book from valiant and they always i always see interesting books coming out from them but and it's weird saying it because i feel comfortable jumping into every new reboot and relaunch that marvel and dc does but i already feel like for me jumping into valiant already feels like i have too much to catch up on um mm-hmm. it doesn't really stop me but it's sort of like there's already a barrier there that I don't know why it's there and why I'm having trouble breaking through, but Valley's been doing an awesome job, and it's good to see that they're being recognized. Yeah. Nick, what else is going on in the news? Um, news. News is stuff that happens. Uh, apparently, Insight Edition is launching their own graphic novel imprint. David, I have never heard of Insight Edition. That is not terribly surprising that you have probably seen their work. Uh, they are launching insight comics is the inspired name uh they are well most well known i guess um for their sort of their pop culture guides art books and coloring books and uh some comics influenced titles such as the art of jock which i was kind of checking out a moment ago and it looks really really cool if you're into jock's art and why would you not be uh, they have hired vet Mark Irwin as senior editor for The Line. I found this story fascinating because, you know, we're constantly seeing discussions and, uh, and you know, editorial pieces about how the comics industry is shifting and really, you know, comic readership is... It's been on the swing recently, but really it's not... You know, it's it's not a fully viable industry, I guess you could say. So I'm always fascinated when I find out a company is is digging in, but you have someone like Insight who has an established history already coming in. I don't know, Nick. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, really, it comes down to the end product. They can say that they're making a comic book company. But it really just comes down to the work that they're they're going to put out. It's interesting that they announced that they're doing it, but not having anything up front. Yeah, I thought that was as far as really I can interesting. See, I didn't see anything in a news article? No, uh, just because I feel like you announce something, so it's like okay, I know that they're doing this now, but let's say it takes them even six months to put out a book. Like sort of the the you're you've already sort of shot your first round, so to speak. 
you know you went on what you presumed there. you went on what you presumed was a dry run you know blowing your load <laughs> yeah to borrow a, <laughs> um, a tobias quote oh. <laughs> um so it's it's interesting um but i really i don't have much opinion on it other than i guess i'll keep an eye out for um when they actually announced their first slew of comics, it's kind of like like we also have Aftershock comics that's come out in this past year. Mm-hmm. That uh, I know you were, I think you were reading American, American Monster. Monster. I read the first couple issues, and I've been wanting to check out more from them. Yeah, you know, so I mean, it's not, but I think when they announced, and I could be wrong, or at least maybe once they made their official announcement, um, they kind of opened with like what their first line of books were. Yeah, doing. they had they had several books that they were going to launch with ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't really have a strong opinion uh, on it just yet. I wish them the best of luck. I hope that the end result is good, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, I, what I do have a strong opinion on is that Newsarama recently updated their website yes. and apparently they stick uh, a bunch of their uh, viral ads at the very, very top. So you Oh, it's horrible. Drama, it's horrible. <laughs> and then watch. Toe nail fungus destroyed my life until I found this. This man cured his nail fungus in 10 minutes. Watch how. How to get more energy. Do uh, this every day. This yeah. easy Alzheimer's cleanse shows breathtaking results. Uh, and other stuff about... Actually, I think it repeats the toenail fungus one twice. It did. I believe it did mention it twice, yes. I want to look at that energy one, but I won't give it the satisfaction. Uh, come on, Nick. This is not the heck yeah weird viral <clears throat> ad Anyway, uh, that makes me want to visit Newsarama less. Yeah. Um, so just real quick, I am looking at uh, Insight Edition. I'm looking at their catalog for fall 2016. They're... Definitely is stuff that I'm interested in from an art book standpoint. Uh, like they have The Art of the Iron Giant, which is a wonderful movie for those who have not seen it. Uh, they have uh, stuff relating to Assassin's Creed, Marvel, Star Trek, uh, Labyrinth, The Ultimate Visual History, uh, which I find absolutely hilarious. Ooh, Gamma del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. They're, yeah, these guys obviously are known for quality and are able to put out quite a bit of stuff every every year. So, you know, they have a good infrastructure there. Man, I really want that Art of Jock book. Let me see if I can find a price point on this because this is what all of you guys want is to hear me geek out on uh, on how much this would possibly cost me. $60. That's, that's a little more than I'm willing to, to spend there. Jack, I'm sorry. I'm letting you down every moment of every day. <laughs> oh, Daddy, why? Nope, we're not going into that right now. We don't, <laughs> um, we don't have well, time. David's sorting out his personal issues. Um, Finn <laughs> Jones, the actor who... Oh, okay, I see what you were doing. Who uh, will be playing uh, Daniel Rand, a.k.a. Iron Fist, in the upcoming Netflix series, uh, teased the arrival of Le Kung, the Thunderer, for the 2% of people. Actually, I'm sorry. <laughs> for the 1% of people that might know who Lee Kung is, uh, he's actually the, um, the Kunlunian. <laughs> Nick, Nick, borderline, he, borderline. He is the guy that trained uh, Daniel Rand in the art of Kung Fu and martial arts that led him on his path to becoming the Iron Fist uh, slash immortal weapon of uh, Kun Lun. 
and he teases it by a quote that was said by Lee Kung. And I'm just going to go on a limp here because it's been a long time since I've read Immortal Iron Fist that this quote, in fact, came from the Immortal Iron Fist book, but it very well could have come from the initial Iron Fist run or maybe even one of the more recent series. Uh, it's a good quote, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll just go ahead and dive into it. I'm not going to do an accent because I have a thing called racial sensitivity. Uh, and I you know, also don't want to embarrass myself. <clears throat> Daniel, wait. Do you know the secret of forever? I want to tell you something my father once told me. Decapitation, asphyxiation, blunt trauma, strangulation, any number of paths to a single result your heart stops beating. Don't you see? All death comes from the heart. Armor yourself. Make your body hard and keep your heart soft. If you can protect your heart, you will never die. This is the secret of forever. You may feel like an outsider now, but one day, if you earn it, you will be invited to eat the fruit of immortality, and then you will truly be among us. That is a good quote. I, uh, I'm curious to see the context of it. There's parts of it that I'm very interested in because there was a lot of backlash on Marvel of, oh, they cast a white guy for this when they had an opportunity to do all this. But it seems like, you know, using this quote, talking about being an outsider and all that, that this uh, show might have more representation than initially what we've seen so far. And that this really could be a show that's going to be full of of Asian actors, which I would be super excited about. I mean, with the exception of Marvel doing things like with Asgard, where instead of making it all like sort of Aryan white people, that they diversified it with other with uh, ethnicities. Hmm? With like Heimdall. Ha- uh, yeah. And the guy that played one of the Warriors 3, can't remember his name. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I could see not, them. Not the one something. who suddenly became Chuck in season in the second movie. No, not him. I know. No, that that was quite funny and good because I'm sad that that's basically where they wasted Zachary Levi because he did a really good I job know. in it. But I also felt like he could have taken on a better, more. Yeah, I want Zach. I want Zachary Levi doing so much more than what he's doing right now. I know, I know. I don't know what's going on with that guy. He's such a great talent, and I mean, I just wish... Unfortunately, uh, I don't heroes. think Marvel would ever oh, recast him. Heroes was on. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but this isn't about Zachary Levi. We'll leave that for our Heck Yeah, Zachary <laughs> Levi podcast. Which will be coming up shortly after this episode. Um, but one thing that's true about this teaser is it says established what 1991, which makes me think... Though the Immortal Iron Fist book didn't come out in 1991... So maybe it was from just an Iron Fist comic that came out in 1991, maybe. or I don't even know. Um, but it's a good quote. Um, uh, Iron Fist will most likely be awesome, and I'm excited. Yeah, this uh, this is well not about the time, but as Luke Cage is about to come out, you know we should start, and they're they're in production a fair amount on this show. I feel like we should be seeing some more stuff here pretty soon. Some official photos, uh, possibly, you know, maybe a, a better teaser than the one that we've got. Not the one we got was bad, but you could, it definitely had that feel of, well, what what footage have we shot so far? Let's make that into a teaser. 
because mm-hmm. uh, this, and we've talked about this, this is probably going to be an effects heavy show in order to do, you know, Iron Fist justice. correctly. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be very curious to see what's going to happen. Uh, speaking also in the MCU, which one thing I just want to say, every time anybody mentions, you know, a character they really like in in the Marvel stuff, they're like, oh, it'd be so great if they just did a, a Netflix series with them. It's like, guys, they're not going to start producing 800 Netflix series because, oh man, it'd be so great if there was a Blade Netflix series. Like, nah, guys, come on. Yeah, uh, like, there would, but I mean, and it's not to say that there never will be. Right. But, I mean, there's finite resources, and Marvel has been pretty smart so far with just about all of their franchises that they've they've put out. Uh-huh. Uh, you just can't flood Netflix with all those shows. Yeah, yeah. It, I, oh, I think I told you, I haven't mentioned, mentioned it on the show, but I recently caught up on uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3, and in that season is when uh, Bobby and Hunter, who those... I don't know. That's two characters that went off to go. Uh, they're supposed to go star in their own show called Marvel's Most Wanted. And I've always had a very lukewarm relationship with that show. Um, but they play up a lot, like how serious it is they're leaving and like how sad it is. And it's just funny that they played it up because they want you to have a reaction so that when uh, Marvel's Most Wanted, like people are going to be so excited. And now it's like not happening, and like the pilot apparently wasn't very good. It was just uh, amusing to me. Uh, anyway, anyway, Spider-Man: Homecoming. It's a movie coming out. It stars, uh, from what I understand, John Favreau as Happy Hogan. That's that's right, right? That's what. Yeah, Spider-Man: Homecoming is specifically about Happy Hogan's journey since Iron Man three and his medical recovery. Oh yeah, after he was caught like, in an explosion. He was like in a coma for most of that movie. He was, um, but it's kind of cool that I, I like that. Even though there, I wouldn't. I guess his his exit from Marvel as like a director wasn't. Did, I mean, it wasn't seamless, but it, I guess it wasn't so bad that he obviously has come back um, as Happy Hogan. I think from since then he came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did anyway, Iron Man one and two, and and also yeah. appeared in Iron Man 3. Yeah, he he's appeared anywhere else. And he's going to appear in a starring role. No, he's going to appear in in Spider-Man Homecoming as Happy Hogan because we know that Tony Stark will be in the film. Actually, John Favreau was pretty vocal about what it's like to work with Marvel and why you don't get a lot of repeat filmmakers or you see people dropping out because of how, you know, how strict their vision is, which it's apparently working for them, you know, but it doesn't jive well for all uh, all filmmakers. R.I.P. Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. Oh, it still hurts to think about. It does, that. and t- touching on that based on the moment, again, being that we have zero actual inside information about how it actually works, there's obviously a clash of personalities. Marvel might have a strict vision, but I feel like you get just as many reports from directors that do stick on to their projects saying that you know, it's a fairly seamless transition that Marvel's very open to their own ideas. I mean, so what, sometimes... what directors have stuck around lately? Uh, the Russo brothers. I mean, pretty much the only ones. And I think the reason... That... Uh, Peyton Reed for Ant-Man's coming back for I guess... Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. I, uh, 
well, I think Peyton Reed was doing really crappy romantic comedies. So he's like, yeah, Marvel, whatever you want. Yeah, no, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, no, no cool. cool. I, <laughs> I, I mean, it's obviously, depending on what their prospects are, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the know, re- I don't want to like sell Peyton Reed. Sure, he no, clearly no. salvaged Ant Man to something that I find enjoyable to watch. Yeah, Ant Man was definitely fun. The Rousseau brothers, they're probably coping better because there's two of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, James Gunn. James Gunn. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, Guardian. Guardians of the Galaxy does feel slightly like they were like, uh, what can you do with this? I, it almost feels to me, I mean, I can't speak for the future. Um, you know, on one hand, you know, yes, Thor is, has, it will now have three different directors. I feel like because I think on some of their properties that didn't do as well as they could have maybe creatively. I mean, I think when you watch Thor 1, you see the the redemption in it but it, it could have been even better you look at the dark world and there's some great moments in it but it was also kind of bland it could have been even better mm-hmm. um you know so and sometimes it could be scheduling conflicts it could just be all right we really appreciate what you did you got us where we from a to b but we're going i think someone else is better suited for the next round yeah um but obviously like joss whedon like even if joss whedon had been willing to stay would Marvel have said, yep, here you go, Avengers 3, go right ahead? Well, I, I think I think with people like Joss Whedon and Edgar Wright, they have their own vision in their head that they, you know, watching their films, they stick to their vision and make it happen. And I think maybe the people who are thriving over in Marvel are the ones who are more willing to play by their rules. Like edgar wright from what we understand and of course we don't have all the details we weren't in the in the room when it happened uh hamilton's a great musical uh is that he didn't like the the level that the avengers were going to be involved in general he wanted ant-man to be very much in its own cosmos and they you know kind of pushed the the stuff at the falcon in there which is all very fine uh and you know obviously peyton reed and maybe even the Rousseau brothers are saying, okay, that's your vision. Let's, you know, let's make it happen and let's have the most fun along the way. But the story we're here to talk about is that we have uh, gotten some leaked set photos revealing the Shocker's costume from Spider-Man Homecoming. And he looks like the Shocker. <laughs> what a Shocker. <laughs> In like the best way possible. Because the shocker looks ridiculous. Let's just be honest with ourselves here. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorite Spider-Man villains because of how ridiculous he is. I love the shocker. I Spoilers, uh, if I ever get to write Spider-Man and no one take my ideas, but I have like this super long, super epic shocker story. Really? That I would weave through my Spider-Man book. I'm not going to go into any details. No one get the idea of elevating Shocker to a new level. I already have all the ideas, and I am coming for you, Spider-Man title. One day, folks, you'll see it in uh, probably 2052. Uh, Just kidding. We're not going to keep writing comics by then. It's all going to be a weird virtual reality experience. Yeah. So the Shocker costume. The Shocker costume. It. It's kind of like the it has his aesthetic in the sense that you know his it's arms, yellow. part of his chest and his head are yellow, uh, but then like his body's got sort of the the brown vest. But instead of being like a puffy quilt look, it's it just kind of looks like sort of dirty, sort of rugged outfit. I don't really know what to call the material, but yeah, he looks like the shocker. It's hard to tell from you know these these set photos aren't super high quality. 
you know, we know that the vulture is going to be the main villain that, but Spider-Man films are notorious for having at least two bad guys running around and sometimes three when we decide to reboot things. Uh, so I will be curious to see this shocker in action, uh, but I'm liking what I'm, I'm seeing so far. It's, it's much better than it could have been and much better than the rhino was. <clears throat> Mm. Mm. what yeah um but that's about gonna wrap it up for the news if you found that our quality of news was not to your own standards please let us know please but we enjoyed it go to hell i mean let us know and now good start david (laughs) we're halfway through this thing already now we're gonna we're gonna talk about some books that came out this week so nick to the Batmobile. Let's go. That's right. That's the sound clip we're used to hearing, but we're adding the extra transition sound to make it be more of a transition. So here we are in the poll list. And Nick, you obviously read a bunch of stuff this week. Nope. That's right. You read Batman number six and Batman number six only, which means that we can talk about Batman number six, which is just fine. And this issue is an epilogue to the first five issues, the Gotham and Gotham Girl story, uh, which has come to an end. And for those who did not read it, brief spoilers, Gotham dies, but Gotham Girl continues to live. And in this episode, we find out she's bonkers. Well... To elaborate, thanks, David. Um, she's bonkers because, because of, she oops. was uh, negatively impacted by Psycho Pirate. Absolutely. For those who don't know who Psycho Pirate is, uh, he was a uh, important character in Crisis on Infinite Earths. And if I try to explain it any further, you'll just feel confused anyway. Um, so I'm not going to bother. Anyway, he manipulates emotions. He manipulated the emotions of Gotham Girl and Gotham. Gotham took it a lot worse and went on a rampage and was ultimately stopped by Gotham Girl. Uh, also, spoilers, the secret to their powers is that they can basically do everything that Superman can do, but it is taking years off their life, so the more aggressive they are using their powers, the less time they have to Which live. I thought was so interesting. Like, Which is a very interesting component. I mean, well, pe- other people have done superhero stories where, like, you know, they have superpowers, but they only get them for a year, or they'll be dead right. after a year if they keep using them, stuff like that. But this is something where, like, you can draw the character out a lot longer, but you really get to play with when is it worth to use the powers? You uh-huh. know, where do you draw the line? So we saw him actually beat the Justice League, but it's you know, it's pretty it's pretty much outright said that he can only do that for a couple of minutes before he would ultimately die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So psycho pirate messed with their emotions. And this issue is Batman trying to rein her in because she's still going around helping people, but she's very unhinged. This episode is also a tour de force of weird Batman villains. Ah, uh, man, we get, uh, we get Kite Man, which was so wonderful. Uh, Colonel Blimp shows up. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the pirate's name that's there. 
I don't know if I give the pirate a name. I'm looking for him. You... Oh, Captain Stingaray. Oh, man. Captain Stingaray. Oh, man. It's it's so beautiful. For the Kite Man sequence alone, or even Colonel Blimp saying, I've stolen your blimp again, it's like, I don't know why. It It's hitting all the right chords for me in, in the best possible way. Because these super crazy weird villains don't... I mean, they, they're, there's moments that are played up for laughs, but they don't feel out of place at all. It's strange. Yeah, it's... Tom King's done an excellent job. First off, and I noticed this his mission statement, is to make it so that, you know, I think Gotham, especially in the scope of the DC Universe, is a very large, important facet of the universe, very important place and setting. Um, but at the end of the day, sometimes it can feel very insular where it's like, it's hard to sometimes associate Batman with sort of the greater, like if he doesn't, if it's not happening in justice league that like nothing's going to hit Gotham that isn't more street level. Um, and I, I would I obviously like say Grant Morrison, Scott Snyder, two of the more recent major Batman writers have certainly played up some of the wackier elements of the Batman universe, but Tom King definitely crazy, seems crazy to, quilt exists. Crazy yeah. Um, Tom King really seems to embrace that, though, at the same time making it show that it feels that Gotham is a part of the larger DC universe, which obviously includes appearances by, like, General Lane from the Superman comics and Amanda Waller from Suicide Squad. Um, but, yeah, with, with these villains, like, it, it's... You're right, like you said, it doesn't feel out of place. Like, they, they definitely seemed weird but i mean the comic doesn't shy away from that um well at the same time like with a lot of stuff that happened in the first few issues you know which was a little more serious a little bit more uh straightforward in a way um like this is kind of a especially having these goofy villains when you sort of juxtapose it against like the very real emotional fallout that gotham girl is dealing with mm -hmm. it, it helps her balance the levity with the weight of the the actual issue um now I'm just kind of spouting words to see if they sound good because I kind of ran out of steam with what I was saying. David, mm -hmm. take it away. Uh, I really, you know, obviously I enjoyed the the lighter heart, like lighter parts of this book. But like you said, it is about emotional trauma and sort of on some level mental illness. Uh, it's, it's just very interesting. Like you have this point when Batman catches on to what's going on and asks Alfred, how did you help me after my parents died? Uh, to which Alfred replies, and it's so great, I have to get the exact wording. I have it. Uh, okay, yeah. well, yeah, I got it right here. But it's, uh, Each night you leave this perfectly lovely house and go leaping off buildings dressed as a giant bat. Do you really think I helped you? Uh, it's, it's, man, it's such a like, great point, but also speaks to Alfred's and Bruce's weird relationship. Uh, but then it leads to... Uh, Batman getting Gotham Girl, you know, uh, at at the bat signal, and he reveals himself to be Bruce Wayne and gives her this little speech about loss and how he understands what she's doing. What she's doing is not crazy because it's what he did uh, when his parents were shot. He spoke to his mother, who was a corpse at that point, and that helped him through. And he just he relates to her on this very real level, and it's just it's. This, for this issue that 
kind of wraps things up in, in a little bit of humor. It's this really strong emotional punch to the gut right at the end. It it really is. It's something that shows that there are many things that Batman can tackle, but when it comes to truly reaching someone on a human's human level, that was a job for, for Bruce Wayne because Batman is the larger than life archetypal figure you know, he's he's more than a man. He's a symbol. He's an idea. But what Gotham Girl needed wasn't some sort of abstract figure to look up to, but was for another human being that can, <clears throat> on a grounded human level, relate and and and, and prove to her that he can relate. Um, and I just thought that was a, a perfectly poignant moment with Bruce revealing himself. Because it's obviously with his identity, you know, you know, he's obviously very, I, I guess technically a lot of people know, but on principle, <laughs> Bruce is typically very secretive when it comes to his, his Batman duality. Uh, and honestly, at this point in the story, he knows some of Gotham Girl's personal background, but he still doesn't know who gave him the powers. Mm-hmm. If they're still monitoring her somehow or through her, like what she's saying, seeing they're seeing. Um, so, I mean, it's also a huge risk for him to take off his cowl in front of her um because she could be compromised in other ways and i imagine that will probably take a have an effect in future issues but uh either way between that alfred moment and the moment where bruce reveals himself just top-notch stuff from tom king and i'd be remiss not to mention that ivan reese does a very good fill-in job for david finch um and uh, yeah great book yeah it was really solid issue Really looking forward to what comes next out of Batman. And, uh, you know, even though Nick didn't read much, I read a few books this week. So I'm going to talk briefly about Kill or Be Killed, issue number two. This is uh, the second issue in Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' new series, which is, uh, I, you know, spoke about the first issue. Uh, to briefly summarize that again, it is about a guy who has to kill people. Uh, the reason he has to kill people is that there is a uh, a demon. He attempts to kill himself but survives. And there is a demon who's saying, because you failed to kill yourself, other people have to die. And, you know, you're, you only have to kill bad guys. Don't worry. So this issue is the story of his first kill and how he did that and, uh, and etc. Uh, and... It's, uh, it, you know, he, I don't want to give away everything in the book, so I'll just say it's about his first kill and, and kind of leave it at that. Uh, I really enjoy Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips as a team. I was very excited about this book. I'm still enjoying it, but it's different than what I've read from them, which so far have been mysteries, uh, and, who have had these kind of whodunit elements to it. There definitely is mystery to this book, but not in the same sort of way. In in a book like Fatal, uh, you know, there was all this mystery about who is Joe, uh, this mysterious woman in the cult that she's tied with. You know, in, in the fade out, it's who killed the starlet. In Kill or Be Killed, there's still mystery there, but there's not the whodunit part that I think I really love out of this team. Uh, so it's not to say that this is, uh, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, a bad book. It's maybe just not uh, what 
I was expecting going in, so it's taking me a little bit of adjusting. There's mm-hmm. kind of not that same uh, drive from each issue so far to, to, to be like, okay, now, now I, want, I want the next piece of the story so I can start piecing stuff out and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am curious if this guy is just crazy or if there's actually a demon that's out there trying to get him to do this stuff. Uh, but personal, sad, slight dis- disappointment. And it's, it's really, it's no fault of the book or like the creators. It's, it's enti- entirely on me. Uh, they, they're still bringing, you know, really, really good work here. Uh, Ed Brubaker, man, I'm totally blanking actually on which one is the writer for a brief moment of my life. Uh, <laughs> you, you're right there. I'm good. I'm alive. Okay, cool. Ed Brubaker's the writer, right? I'm not crazy when I'm thinking that. Of yeah. Killer Be Killed? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just couldn't remember if Ed Brubaker or Sean Phillips was the writer for a moment, man. I don't know. It's, it's for us recording this podcast, it's late. <laughs> uh, but there's, you know, they, their heart is obviously still in this book uh, as much as it is with, with anything else. This is a story that they want to tell and they are telling it very, very well. Uh, I would maybe though recommend if you have interest in this book, you know, wait until the first volume's out and, and see how it lands on you. Maybe so you can get more of the story. I think that's, you know, that's kind of where things fall for me sometimes is am I compelled to, to pick it up week by week so I can get, you know, because I can't wait to get each little part of the story or is it going to be better all in one big chunk? And I feel like this might be better all in one big chunk, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a bad thing. It's just, you know, doesn't always strike my fancy. Anyway, kill or be killed issue two. I'm sure I'll talk about issue three in a month and we'll see uh, where I'm feeling, how I'm feeling on that at that time. And a new segment called David's temperature. Sure. uh, Why not? But really in a new segment, one thing we want to do is we want to have more discussions in the show. You know, we want to, we want to look at a topic and really kind of, kind of dig into it. Uh, So, you know, we don't have a snappy name at this time. But we do have a clip for it. Hold on, uh, you ready for this, Nick? You ready? You haven't heard this yet. Are you ready? Uh, yes. And now, time for our weekly discussion. Nerd rage! It's over 9,000! <laughs> Road rage? Was that nerd two rage. things? You said nerd rage. Oh, it's nerd just, rage. Listen, listen to the beginning of it. Nerd I can see where people would probably throw off their headphones when they hear that. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, we're going to start off with an easy one. And even though there's no way for you to actually chime in as we discuss this, um, please feel free to uh, write into us and let us know what your summer blockbuster. You haven't even set the question yet. Dang, we're off to a good start. <laughs> so the discussion topic this week is what summer blockbusters, specifically more of like the comic book or superhero variety, are you most excited for next year? And if your answer is Transformers The Last Night. Good for you. But awesome. Please, yeah. please don't listen to our show anymore. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So, so the summer movie season is winding down. And yeah, looking forward into next year. There's uh there's there's quite a bit coming out. We got yeah. 
Stuff like Power Rangers, Lego Batman, Wolverine 3, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor, Ragnarok, Justice League, and Kingsman, the Golden Circle, just to uh, kind of name some. So the list is by no means complete, but uh, those were the only ones I could find. Um, obviously, some of them are only tangentially comic book related, but still geek powered, like Power Rangers. Um, obviously, Kingsman: The Golden Circle will not based off an exact comic book. The the first film was, of course, based off the Kingsman Secret Service comic book. Um, and then the rest are Marvel and DC movies. Yeah, yeah, you know the drill. You know how it goes. So, David, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? How are you feeling this? Oh, sure, sure. And we should also uh, totally feel free to chime in uh, on each other's opinions at any time and point out if we think they're wrong. Sure. Uh, which I'm not saying mine will be because mine will be absolutely correct. Of course. Looking at this upcoming season, there are films that I am excited about. I want to be excited about Power Rangers, and I keep seeing one thing that makes me excited and another thing that makes me have reservations. I need to see a preview of that movie sometime soon uh, so I can know, kind of just start building up feelings about it because I need to see this stuff in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you have Lego Batman, which is kind of off to the side, which looks really funny, and 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 I'm I'm really looking forward to that as well. Wolverine, I don't know what's going on there. Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be fun, yada yada yada. Uh, but the the film, you know, it really comes down to, and not just because of of my love really for DC, uh, but it really comes down to two films. Uh, Justice League being one of them because this is the first time we're going to have the League all together on screen. But I think for me, the film, the, 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 the comic book superhero summer blockbuster I'm most looking forward to has to be Wonder Woman. It, Wonder Woman? Yes, the, the German superhero Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Wunder. Actually, it would more be Wunder. Wunder Woman. Wunder Woman. Uh, yeah, it is from everything we've seen. Obviously, you can't you know you can't judge a book by its cover. Uh, but everything that I've seen of it so far looks really interesting. I really like uh, Gal Gadot as that character. I like Chris Pine. I like the direction they're taking this. It's so exciting to finally have a female-led superhero movie and uh and another moment too soon what and not a moment too soon. Uh, i thought you said and, and another moment too soon i'm like that doesn't <laughs> doesn't make any sense uh but the superhero movies that i enjoy the most seem to be ones that place themselves in other genres besides generic blockbuster action film uh, I love Captain America Civil War because it is a spy thriller. I th- am loving what I've seen of Wonder Woman because it is a war film. And I don't think we've really seen a war film. Captain America the First Avenger was a montage. That movie is not, not very good. We can discuss that another time. But I don't. I can't really recollect where we've seen a real war film that tries to get like into the knit and grit of war. And I know we're all so done with, with things being dark realism, nitty gritty. But when you're dealing with war, you kind you know it's it's an okay to go into those places, and to have Wonder Woman in that setting is very exciting. 
so yeah, Wonder Woman for me tops this list. I am going to be there on opening day if I can, and uh, and you know be fangirling out in the corner. <laughs> so with Wonder Woman, I am excited. Um, I, I I do like the trailer. But unfortunately, and I'm by no means a DC hater. Ugh, you're becoming one. No, I'm not. But my, my point is, is that like I, I want to let every movie sort of be its own thing. But like I also loved and got excited by the trailers of Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman. And while I did not hate either of those finished products, both left a certain something to be desired after finishing watching it in large part usually had to do with the pacing. I mean, I had some obviously story squabbles, like things they could have done differently. Sure. But really came down to the pacing. You can make a fantastic trailer, even for a movie that is potentially lackluster or uh, troublesome. So it's like, I'm definitely excited for the, for wonder woman. I'm excited for what the trailer presents the movie as, but I think because of how the last two movies left me, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be there on opening day. So I'm basically ticking off all the same boxes you are, except I'm going to try and meet my, or um, not suppress, but sort of measure out my excitement. Manage your expectations. Manage my expectations. Thank you. You know, that's completely fair. As much as even I like more than most fans and critics what DC has given us, there's no denying that things, you know, are a little grim on that. Uh, on uh, in that respect, uh, but I, you know, I don't think I. I just I want it to be good. <laughs> no, I don't. I I don't think uh, that just because they've had a few bad movies that everything coming out of there is going to be uh, is going to be rough. And you know, you know, you know. You know, you know, and Justice Justice League, as much as I enjoyed that, you know, teaser trailer from Comic-Con, another movie that I think I have high reservations for. Yeah, that's uh, one that I'm I'm managing my expectations a little bit more. It's maybe just Wonder Woman seems the least touched by everything else that DC has been doing. I don't know. It feels like it's off in its own corner. Even, you know, I thought Suicide, the, the hate on Suicide Squad was maybe a little more extreme than it needed to be. It was still an enjoyable, and I thought, for these for me, fun movie. Uh, but that still fits squarely into, you know, the Batman stuff we'd seen so far and all that. And and maybe just the fact that Wonder Woman seems a little bit removed. It's on its own, if you will, an island of its own. Uh, Paradise Island, if perhaps? You, if you wish to call it that, yes. um yeah and i mean like i said measuring my managing my expectations but still excited um i guess kind of out of the movies that we listed it feels weird because we're going on our third iteration of spider-man but and also maybe because i know the shocker is going to be in it and he's my favoriteest villain of all time i wish that was a lie I'm not saying there aren't better villains out there, but about, I, for what, some reason, really like the Shocker. What about Kite Man? You know, he just jumps into a building, steals your necklace, and then jumps out and says, hell yeah, Kite Man. <laughs> Close second. Uh, I think it was, like, when I was a kid, I had this 
Spider-Man comic that I don't really know what happened in the previous issue, but Spider-Man is just like totally out of it, like sick or poisoned or something. Like he's just like his spider sense isn't working very well. And he's like clinging to the side of the building and he gets to a window and suddenly the glass blows up and Shocker's standing there and Shocker looks a bit more souped up or something. The way that John Romita Jr. was drawing him, just he was very, very bulky. Uh, I think his costume looked a little different. And, um, you know, Spider-Man's looks like clearly in disarray. And instead of helping him, Shocker uses his things and causes Spider-Man to fall to his death or falls to a cliffhanger. Um, and I think just like, like that imagery has always sat with me. Like, you know, I, I've seen like, I know with Superior Foes of Spider-Man, Shocker's been played more for laughs. I know with Ultimate Spider-Man, he was played more for laughs, but uh, as, like, his, a, his ultimate costume is terrible. Ultimate costume was just uninspired and, you know, it's whatever. Um, you know, we're saying it's terrible compared to a man dressed in a quilt. Um, <laughs> but but there's a tradition. Um, but yeah, something about that scene just has always sat with me. Like, to me, he's like this menacing just D-bag, you know, Um you know, he's a bank robber. He's just kind of a thug with 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 shocking gauntlets. But I don't know. I've always loved him. Anyway, so yeah, Spider-Man: Homecoming is probably one of the bigger question marks in the sense that even though we've seen what Tom Holland can do with Spider-Man from Civil War, which I did rewatch recently and enjoyed even more than when I first saw it in theaters. You know, there's a lot of question marks. There's a huge cast, which I imagine the majority of them have fairly small roles. Um, but I'm definitely excited to see what Spider-Man is going to be under Marvel's umbrella. Um, it's our third iteration, though, man. I mean, it is, how much how I much mean, leeway are we giving charm, this character? Right? Charm. Yeah. I actually had a really interesting conversation uh, in a car ride recently where we talked about Donald Glover being, you know, the whole Donald Glover Spider-Man thing. And someone was like, I was still hoping they were going to cast him as Miles Morales. It's like, first of all, Donald Glover is not, cannot play a high schooler anymore. Like, you haven't seen him in a couple years, but he doesn't look like a high schooler anymore. No. Second, like, I don't, you can't have a Miles Morales movie without having an established Peter Parker. Anyway, your other uh, other anticipated film. Out of all of these? Out of all of these, what's your most anticipated one? What summer blockbuster? Well, I guess out of all of these... Maybe Spider-Man is my number one, but I honestly have to say, sticking with Marvel, Thor Ragnarok, actually. Really? Which is weird. That is strange. Which is weird, because obviously the first two Thor movies were somewhat lackluster. I, I believe you said you hated them. I don't believe I said that, but I certainly will use the word lackluster to some degree. Um, and but first off... Not a Thor blockbuster, Hulk. they're a lackluster, huh? Ah. <laughs> huh? <laughs> also, I walked into Newbury Comics... Um, my I guess New England comic book chain and, and by comic books I mean they mostly sell CDs, DVDs and t-shirts but they also happen to sell comic books tucked in the back anyway they had a shirt that said Blockbuster and Chill on it and it had the Blockbuster logo and then it said and Chill and as someone that worked at Blockbuster for several years uh, towards the end of its lifespan uh, I find that hilarious um, but yeah, Did, Thor Ragnarok, uh, in part because, I mean, Chris Hemsworth is like, he's obviously solidified as Thor right now. Um, 
I I wouldn't say that he's miscast. I mean, there's something about how they've set up the Thor universe, the Asgardians, and all that. Part of me like really likes it. On the other hand, I just feel like it hasn't dug deep enough. I think based off the success of like Civil War, or especially off of like Guardians of the Galaxy, um, taking Thor into space, but making it. Scratch everything that I'm saying. <laughs> I like the fact that it's a Thor Hulk buddy movie. I think that Thor, unfortunately, can be kind of boring by himself. And the Hulk, while sort of a tragic and all but interesting figure, can also be kind of one note. Oh, I'm the Hulk. Oh, tragedy. You know, um, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of range. So you're taking two characters that are kind of polar opposites but also don't but have the commonality of not having a lot of range and putting them together. And I think because of their distinct differences, it's going to make for an interesting thing. Also the fact that they're carrying over some planet Hulk elements, mm-hmm. I think is really cool. Um, but also just the story first, it could just be a complete mess or second, it could just be a Marvel movie chock full of delicious content, whether you're dealing with the facts like uh, homeless Odin Actually, I'm not going to spoil stuff. My point is is that there's a lot of elements in this movie that I'm very curious about. Uh, and it's got me excited, and I'm excited for at least the first teaser trailer. Yeah, they've put themselves in an odd place with this film because they're like, well, what, you know, with how things ended up, Anthony Hopkins isn't coming back. Which he is. He is? I thought he wasn't. He is. I, I just said homeless Odin. He actually can, oh, just, um, he confirmed. behind the scenes. There's photos, uh, set photos of him as a homeless person on set. Oh, interesting. Well, you know, like Natalie Portman's not coming back, which back. that's going to be interesting to see how they write that off. Uh, yeah, Thor Ragnarok, if they, if they lean into the 80s buddy film that they're apparently making... Uh, I will embrace it a lot, but mm. yeah, the Thor movie needs a shock of lightning to really kind of get it going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm just all over the place with these tonight. Uh, but we are very interested to hear what your thoughts, uh, what movies you are looking forward to, and you can send those to us at heckyacomics at gmail.com. And uh, just as we're winding down here, uh, we, you know, we always ask ourselves a very important question. You boys aren't nerds, are you? Absolutely, we are. And the reason we're asking that is because we want to bring a recommendation to you. But we decided, you know, for 100 episodes now, we've been trying to recommend comics. And there have been weeks where we just can't think of anything, where we're scraping the bottom of the mind barrel. We can't squeeze enough out of our mind grapes to really get a good recommendation. Or we just don't have the time to catch up on all the coolest, latest yeah. stuff. and you know. So we're going to open up recommendations now to, uh, to you know stuff. We're going to try to keep it generally geeky, but we're going to, you know, we're going to allow ourselves. Uh, so if we want to recommend, uh, this is not my recommendation, but you know, I could come in and recommend stranger things on the show officially now, if that were my wish. But Nick... Because we were doing this for a while, unofficially. Yeah. Well, you, um, you straight up recommended sorry, Scandal one time. Shirt? No, it's just a shirt with triangles on it. And clearly a Triforce. No, these are yellow. Oh, these oh are there's more triangles. Red, Never mind. I'm sorry. Blue, green. Yeah, this is, thanks for wasting everybody's time with that. What, what a nerd. Um, So I'm going to recommend Monstrous Volume 1. This is a book by Marjorie... 
which I might be mispronouncing. Mar, yeah, Marjorie. I'm going with Marjorie Liu, and drawn by Sana Takeda. Mo, uh, you might know them by their their run on Marvel's X23 solo comic. Uh, my fiance, who's a big X23 fan, read uh, most of it. Um, I never really got into it, but I ended up purchasing Monsters Volume One for said fiance because she loves that creative team, and she has actually yet to read it. And sometimes when I'm bored with the video game I'm playing, uh, it was like right there, so I picked it up and I've been uh, reading through it. And uh, let me just let me just um, I'm not gonna actually go deep into the book because we know how sometimes I can get lost in my words and just over explain things. You mean you start um, summarizing the book? Just start summarizing the whole book. Um, gothic, steampunk, X-Men, Kaiju. My brain hurts. Boom. That's it. David, what's the recommendation? <laughs> uh, how can I possibly top that? Uh, well, my recommendation is a podcast I recently caught up on, and that is Hello from the Magic Tavern. Uh, for those who uh, don't know what that is, about it is a comedy podcast but it's also story driven which i really appreciate and it is about uh, a guy who fell through a magical portal behind a burger king and ended up in a magical land called foon and while he is there uh he luckily you know still has a little bit of a wi-fi signal he still has some uh, podcasting equipment so he's doing a podcast from this magical land with his co-host, a shapeshifter who is in the form of a talking badger named Chunt, and uh, Usador, who is a wizard, who has a much longer name that I'm not going to do on this show. And they have various guests every week, uh, and they just they're building upon the mythology of the of the world and following storylines. Uh, it's all improv, so anything anybody says becomes canon. So there's some really ridiculously insane stuff that is canon in this show. Uh, but it is it is super ridiculous. Uh, if you are a fantasy fan, uh, this will you know it's it's fantasy comedy, which is great. If you're not a fantasy fan, it's a lot of uh, jokes and and just like a, a general fun time and uh, lots of butthole humor in the first in the, in the first couple episodes. They they own up to that. They own up that there is a lot of butthole humor towards the beginning of the show. But it all, you know, story-wise makes sense. Uh, it's it's seriously, it's a it's a great time. And it's, I love it. And I'm so sad that I'm caught up because I have no more to listen to at, at this time. Uh, but hello from the Magic Tavern, a podcast on, uh, on general, pod, it's on the Earwolf Network, but you can probably find it all over the place. And that is going to do it for us. Uh, Nick, do you have any final thoughts to share with all the folks? People, I'm excited that um, we're on to our 100th and 101, 101th? 101th episode. 101th, man, that did not make me look good. Uh, I am excited that we're on to our 101th episode. You just said uh, it again. Did I just do it again? <laughs> I am super excited that we're on to episode 101. There we go. <laughs> and um, uh, I really appreciate the people that have been sticking with us, and I hope that you will stick with us for the next 100, um, or I guess 99 at this point, as upon you listening. Uh, hopefully we don't break out into Spanish as much as we did in the last 100, we, we apologize as one for that. intrepid commenter uh, pointed out to us. 
that reminds us that yes, uh, we don't ask for this very often, but we would greatly appreciate if you go onto iTunes or other places where you can rate podcasts and rate our show. That helps us to be seen by more people and and you know get get more listeners, which just means a greater wealth of content for you guys. Uh, because that means we can, you know, start pulling in people from different walks of life and all that. Uh, but thank you so much for listening, uh, truly from the bottom of our hearts. And you can always find out more about us over at heckyeahcomics.com or follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. And of course, you can write into us, you know, anything you want over at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can find me on uh, Twitter. You can also find me on Instagram and Snapchat, all under the name DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You can find Nick for getting his debit card and cat food and cell phone uh, and all the places he usually does those sorts of things. If you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Ever.